This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit Hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. And welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello, my name is Tony Naylor, your host for this week's BBC Good Food Podcast with Tom Kerridge, in which Tom and I are going to explore one of Britain's most important dishes, the sandwich, with our special guest, Max Halley. Max is a man who's made it his mission to bring a next-level creativity to the humble butty at his North London venue, Max's Sandwich Shop, which is a restaurant, much more than it's a sandwich shop. In that hallowed space, Max creates sandwiches such as the bargy smuggler and his mutton dressed as lamb that challenge the very notion of what you can achieve between two slices of bread. So welcome, Max, to the Good Food Podcast. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. should point out that you're down the line from... Uh, Wiltshire, did you say? Sunny Wiltshire. And so, um, I suppose a sensible place to start, Max, would be why did you feel the British sandwich needed saving or certainly garnishing with the new quality? The truth is, I think the sandwich was in dire straits. When I opened my sandwich shop in 2014, I looked at the sandwich market in Britain and I thought that it basically maxed out at big high street chains and salt beef bagels on Brick Lane. And that was that was as good as the sandwich got in Britain. And I thought that something needed to be done about that and that perhaps it could be me that did that thing. And so you'd worked <laughs> as a chef previously? Yeah, I worked in, as a chef and front of house in the restaurant industry. And I, I, I worked in the food industry, not just in restaurants, for ooh, more than 10 years. And your, your dad was a wine critic, I think, as well. Was was he a sandwich man who passed this still, on to you? 
still is. I n- no, not particularly. My dad's a li- my dad's a liquid guy, um, and I, uh, my dad was and still is a a wine journalist now, um, right. writing not about posh wine but about uh, cheap wine. About uh, he writes a book that comes out every year which is a guide to buying wines in the supermarket. So where, where did your love of sandwiches come from then? Why were they so dear to your heart I, that you felt I, compelled to save them then? But I, I think, um, I don't know, we keep um, we keep saying saving, whereas I think actually Sorry, it was reviving. About, yeah, I think it was like moving it on to something better than it was. I think the sandwich has had become something that was exclusively about convenience and not at all about deliciousness. And I really, that was really what I wanted to do was to help the sandwich become about deliciousness again, rather than just being something convenient. And it was convenient even more so for the people manufacturing the sandwiches than it was for the people consuming them. Of course, popping into a supermarket and buying a sandwich is very easy, but it's also an extremely easy way for a supermarket to make money from us by selling us something that, quite frankly, wasn't really good enough for So, Tom, um, do you share this love of the sandwich? I think sandwiches are amazing. Like I really do, I, I, and very much on the same viewpoint, Max. That they, they, they suddenly they have become about convenience. If you think about it, like the uh, the average office lunch is or used to be a pathetic sandwich bought from a high street shop that you could buy, ranging from a sandwich shop to a chemist that comes with yeah. a free packet of crisps and a and a bottle of pop or a, a water to make it feel healthy. Where it's actually it's just been there for sustenance as lunch, not actually being thought about as a dish. What the flavours mm. that you can get from it? It's not celebrated in any way. It's just been something that's thrown away. So celebrating the sandwich, I think, is great. If you think, I mean, if you think of the finest bread, beautiful sourdough, crisp rye bread, whatever it could be, with wonderful fillings. You know, there's cheese, isn't there? And then there's really rubbishy square sandwich cheese. Well, why not have brilliant bread, have incredible cheese, have fantastic ham, have amazing turkey, have beautiful salad leaves, have, you know, heritage tomatoes, have, you know, beautiful pestos or flavourings that go with it. You know, all of those sort of things that you can combine, put it together in a sandwich is amazing. And then, I mean, and then toast it. I mean, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Max, we'll come to your kind of overarching ethos slightly later. But, you know, just tell us about a couple of your sandwiches just by way of illustration in terms of what you're putting in there and kind of some of the processes that you're going through to get the ingredients to a place you're happy with. Yeah. So, I mean, first, let me tell you like how I... Part of my original idea behind the sandwich shop was when I realised that there was a kind of gap in the market for a proper sarni shop... Um, the first thing I was asked by people was how was I going to persuade people that they could have a sandwich for their dinner um, and not just for lunch. So I immediately thought that I could defeat that by only opening at night. And then if anyone did want one of my sandwiches, they'd have to have it for their dinner. And (laughs) then, (laughs) which has has worked extremely effectively, I must say. Um, And then the, the, the other thing I did was I immediately emailed a group of about 30 people, you know, chefs, whatever, like... contacts that I had in the restaurant business and I asked 30 people to send me a list of their five favourite sandwiches 
and they they came back. You know, some of these guys, like blokes with Michelin stars, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, that, and, and the emails came back to me. Firstly, I thought that hardly anyone would reply, and all 30 did, which was a great kind of indicator of how interested in the sandwich we are, all of us kind of culturally um, or culinarily uh, even. And that, anyway, all of the 30 people that emailed me back, all of their sandwiches were like ham and mustard, chicken and bacon, you know, a cheese toasty, uh, kind of all this stuff. And that it was when I got those emails back either, that I realised, wow, that like no one has really thought about what you might be able to put between two bits of bread. So the first thing I did was rather than trying to think of sandwich fillings, I thought about plates of food that I think are delicious. And so I began with what has become the signature sandwich of my sandwich shop. I began with ham, egg and chips, the kind of archetypal British pub lunch. And I thought that, if I was going to try and turn a sandwich, like as Tom said before, where in order to be considered a meal, the sandwich had long been this thing that needed to come with a bag of crisps and a bottle of pop from a high street pharmacy or something. Um, and so I wanted to turn the sandwich into a meal. And I thought that the best way of doing that was to think about the fillings as plates of food. So I started with the ham, egg and chips. Now, that how I went about making that into the contents of a sandwich was instead of having slices of ham, I braised ham hocks. Um, soft and rich and, you know, you don't need a meat slicer. <laughs> um and then I did piccalilli as the condiment. I did fr- a fried egg, shoestring fries, like what the French call allumette, uh, like matchstick, uh, same dimensions as matchstick, uh, which traditionally I'd cooked in restaurants to go as an accompaniment to like a grilled mackerel or something like that. Um, and I thought, what a great way of doing chips in Asani. So, yeah, sorry, I've got completely distracted here. So braised ham hock, piccalilli, a fried egg, shoestring fries and malt vinegar mayonnaise is the contents of my, yeah. Just, just to illustrate the kind of level of obsessive uh, diligence you've gone to in this process, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. talk us through your gravy mayonnaise <laughs> recipe. Was it the, many people have a thing they can go to their grave proud of, and mine is definitely gravy mayonnaise. Um, the, I, so the day before the sandwich shop opened, we had a sandwich called the Original Gangster, which was... I I figured as well that I'm really anti the steak sandwich. I find steak a useless thing to put in a sandwich. We'll, we'll come to that later. We'll, we'll I get share on to that. But so so I yeah. Um, so I uh, I braised beef um, overnight in the oven at the sandwich shop in order to take the meat out of the braising liquid and use it the next day in sandwiches with sauerkraut and cassava chips and stuff and. Um, cassava is by the way the best crisp for sandwiches it's extraordinary double the starch content of potato it's ludicrously crunchy um <laughs> and uh, anyway so i came in in the morning to to work and i took this massive tray a gastro out of the oven um full of stew and i i i used what is called a spider like a big perforated spoon and i took um I, I i started taking my braised meat out of the liquid and putting it into a tub to um you know to to put in the fridge to use later in the sandwiches and after i'd done that 
I was just looking at this like massive vat of liquid that remained. And I thought like, what? I, you know, how dare I throw this liquid away when it's delicious? And how? But I thought like, how could I use this in the context of a sandwich? And I already knew about the French dip, like a sandwich that comes with a jug of gravy on the side for dunking in. But I didn't want to serve anything on the side of my sandwiches. I wanted everything to be in the sarni, like the whole, no garnish necessary. And so I was sat there looking at this, at this vat of liquid and thinking, how is it possible to put that in a sandwich without making it ridiculously wet. And and it just dawned on me, like, boil it down and mix it into mayonnaise. And so I did. I put the gastro straight back on the hob. I boiled the liquid down until it was, you know, like a a meaty goo. Uh, And I mixed it into mayonnaise. And it looked like I was making chocolate fondants or something. Like It looked like it was so dark brown. It looked like uncooked chocolate fondant mix. And there's still a sign on the wall in the kitchen that says, keep mixing the gravy in until you think you're making fondants. Um, and, and, And bam, there I had it. Like this way of getting all of the extra flavor of my stew and wonderful moisture, richness, you know, all of the many benefits it brings. And that was how I had figured out how to put an entire stew into a sandwich. Are you impressed by this? Uh, Massively impressed by it. I love it. We we do all have done the same similar sort of things with butter, where you reduce chicken stock really heavily and and then beat butter and the chicken stock together. So you got like a chicken butter. It's the same same sort of thing. Isn't it? Life's a joy. Life's a joy. I love (laughs) the idea of the mayonnaise. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. (laughs) These sandwiches hover around a tenner each and obviously yeah. you're opening the evenings i mean yeah. was there any reticence around that initially did you have to convince people yeah oh loads loads i i think because the part of the problem is like i said before that when i'd when i was starting out i'd emailed all these people and i'd got these responses back about the sam- the way that we all think about sarnies like coronation chicken or um you know ham and cheese or whatever it may be that uh, no, even though now the sandwich shop's been open for years, I think there is still a struggle that when people are coming to the sandwich shop, no matter what they've heard about the sandwich shop or if they, I don't know, seen me proselytising a sandwich on the telly or whatever it might be, that you kind of still thinking about egg mayonnaise and stuff and BLTs when you arrive at the shop. And so I think we did. We did struggle enormously with people thinking, how could you charge that much for a sandwich? And it's like, the truth is, how can you charge that much for a pizza? The Whereas my sandwiches are unbelievably complicated and involve an enormous amount of cooking. And just kind of because you pick it up with your hand to eat it, there is, it's easy to forget how much work has gone into that. And that, you know, we, we make our own bread and stuff. Like we're practically a bakery uh, as much as a sandwich shop. And, it, 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 you know, it, it, and I, yeah, we did. So, yeah, sorry, in a long-winded way, we did struggle enormously charging over a tenner for a sandwich. Where, where do you stand on that, Tom? I mean, can you eat a sandwich after 5pm personally? hundred percent. I'm, I'm yeah. with you. I'm I mean, with you. I mean, you know. Yes. And that perception you. change is, is massive, isn't it? It's very difficult. We, we, we face 
a similar sort of thing in restaurants when we have fish and chips on. Now we use, yeah. you know, we use day day boat turbot and incredible potatoes that have been triple cooked in the world. So and you go and it's the same product. So if you poached that turbot in a butter sauce and served it with pom fondants and then charged the same yeah, price, all of a it's sudden a, it's a twenty five pound dish or yeah, whatever fifty just, pound dish. Yeah, Who just knows? because you associate cheap takeaway fish and chips, but yeah. That, doesn't mean it's a very different product just because you associate the sandwich it's a very different product it's a mindset the ingredients the the thought process the way that you make yeah, things the is exactly the same yeah exactly the same as a yeah. restaurant yeah yeah i mean it's like i've often i often say to people that it's like my sandwich shop actually is an extremely serious restaurant kind of masquerading as a stupid sandwich shop <laughs> <laughs> so, we're at home we're looking to up our sandwich game, as you have done mm. on a more professional level. So talk us through your sandwich mantra then. And my sandwich mantra. So it, hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft is the sandwich mantra. That is, I believe, the secret of deliciousness. That it is in within the context of those three contrasts that our brain is given what it is looking for when it is hungry for deliciousness. That it is... Uh, you know, um, we all know. So, uh, a a bowl of a, a ball of vanilla ice cream, a ball of vanilla ice cream is a delicious thing. A ball of vanilla ice cream with pomegranate molasses and crushed up crunchy nut cornflakes on it is a really delicious thing, and it is in it is it is in those contrasts of the sweet thing and the sour thing the, the you know the soft creamy thing and the crunchy thing that uh, it, it is in those very contrasts that our brains find deliciousness and so in my sandwich shop we have never served a sandwich that does not contain every single one of those things hot cold sweet sour crunchy and soft and importantly I've seen you make this point again and again, and it's yeah. you know it's something that also annoys me immensely. You insist that all those things should be present in each bite of the sandwich too. So actually, the way it's filled is as important as what's in it. This episode is brought to you by Twizzlers. Long day, late night, feeling a little bored. Twizzlers is the ultimate sidekick for any moment of the day, no matter what kind of day you're having. The perfect level of sweet and a fun excuse to sit back and relax. Unwind with Twizzlers. To buy now, visit hersheyland.com slash Twizzlers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Indeed, exactly. Yes, the structure of it. Like one of, before we put a new sandwich on our menu, the first thing we do is put all of the ingredients in in different orders and eat the sandwich. And I, it's mad what a difference it makes when the mayonnaise is on the top or the bottom or when the crisps are beneath something or above something. And it's like, it's crazy how significant a change there is in the eating of a thing in just in in you know in its structure like i've got this i've got this i've got this thing now uh, tom i have been to 
to hand them flowers and had one of the great meals of my life. And I hope that, uh, and this is, I'm not being rude to you, I'm just being that. So I, I, I got this theory that I, I think, as a professional sandwich maker, I must admit, that it is easier for me to make something delicious than it is for someone in your position. So I think when I eat, when I eat in a restaurant a fantastic plate of food, I think it is very likely that the chef has thought about, if not exactly hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy, soft, something along those lines, you know, salty, yeah. bitter. Look at how Sat Bain structures his menu with those dots about the, the bitterness <clears throat> yeah, and the saltiness yeah. and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Whereas the problem that a chef has in a restaurant is, is, the, is the eater. So you might have constructed a dish where there's there's all of those beautiful elements of hot, cold, sweet, sour, crunchy and soft. But Muggins here, who's eating that dish, might be yamming all the crunchy stuff, then yamming all the cold bit, then yamming all the sweet stuff. Do you know what I mean? And it's very difficult for a chef to control the manner in which their dish is consumed. Whereas yeah. for me, I just layer it up, put the lid on and send it out. And... And every bite that the customer eats of one of my sandwiches, every single bite has every single one of those elements in it. And like that for me is like where the gastronomically, where the joy of the sandwich lies, that you, you can get someone. It's so e much easier for me to get deliciousness across, you know, or simpler. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, you've got, you've got it completely covered. Completely covered. Yeah. How many different types of bread do you make? I'm quite interested. How oh, important well, is the well, bread? This is, this is something I'm now going to pull him on because, you know, if there's one thing I'm unconvinced by in Max's <laughs> theory. So am I right in thinking that you solely use plain focaccia? Yes, you are. You are absolutely right. Right. Yes. So I'll just lay out my case here. Uh, okay. One thing I don't like in a sandwich is when I essentially have to dislocate my jaw to get it in my mouth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, how do you get around that? Because, you know, focaccia is thick. <laughs> <laughs> no, that the uh, I uh, so I I can get round that, and uh, please I I shall. So we uh, we we do make focaccia. Our focaccia is extremely soft. We use uh, organic bread flour, but otherwise we use yeast from the supermarket. We don't use any kind of sourdoughy, like slow ferments, none of that business. Because I'm interested in bread as a vessel for filling, not as uh, a kind of part of the sandwich in itself. So we use supermarket yeast because it always behaves the same and it ferments really quickly. So one of my great problems with the use of sourdough in the context of a sandwich is slow fermentation. So uh, you, uh, as the bread proves, um, as the yeast eats the sugars or whatever it's eating and farts out its carbon dioxide and fills your bread with air holes, I see those air holes not as a benefit, but as a place you cannot put mayonnaise. And I, so we, we use this supermarket yeast so our bread ferments or proves really quickly so we get loads and loads and loads of tiny air holes it can't soak up enough it can't soak up enough juice either so it's like absorbent is that a key yeah but it has a it has a, it has a really tight crumb so it can it can soak up loads of juice but maintain its structural integrity right till the end and like if you used sourdough to make one of my sandwiches there'd be liquid spilling out of it everywhere whereas with mine you can still pick it up and eat it 
all the way to the last bite. And all of that juice has just soaked into the meat, uh, soaked into the bread. And we and it, and it doesn't fall apart. It's, it's fantastic. Sounds amazing. Do you, You've really thought into this. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I, I really thought about it. <laughs> do you have a go-to sandwich bread, Tom? Me, well, I suppose at home as much as anything. So, so at home, we, we do love a sourdough, but that's because I pinch it from the restaurants. But it, <laughs> it, it's it's not that great for making sandwiches as such. It's good for toasting stuff, though. Like, I yeah. love the real crisp toasted sourdough. I love that. Like, my little man loves cheese on it. Like, a toasted cheese sourdough sandwich is, like, mm. it's amazing. But one that you fry in a pan. Yeah, not I Not, not kind of grill, like a pressed one. It, like, it's just amazing. Delicious. One thing that I think, you know, is crucial when we're talking about the bread is structural integrity, though. I mean, I think this is something that's completely overlooked. (laughs) I mean, you mentioned steak sandwiches earlier. That has got to be the biggest con in food. Absolute rubbish. The number of steak sandwiches I've eaten, where whether it's because the steak's not cut properly or the bread's not absorbent enough and not reliable enough, but, you know, essentially you end up with a sopping mess of bread pulling massive wadges of steak out because you can't exactly. cook it with your that's own that's where my issue really you know. is you like what's the point you might as well have just eaten a steak all you've done by having a steak sandwich i think you've just had a you've eaten your steak really badly like would you agree with that meat. tom i'm, 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 I'm waiting for tom to jump in I mean, here and I'm defend now, the I'm steak now, sandwich now that, now but... that you two gentlemen are pointing it out yeah i do agree <laughs> with that yeah but, yeah <laughs> i mean i actually i'd never if there was a steak sandwich and a club sandwich on a hotel menu if i've like arrived i'd always order the club over the steak anyway. me too yeah, yeah yeah exactly but, but yeah that's a bizarre thing isn't it you, you you've got this great fundamental ingredient which ordinarily would be really attractive but like Max is saying essentially by putting it in a sandwich you're just making it really difficult to eat I've got to be honest yeah, though, every, every time I mention a sandwich or think of a sandwich they all sound really boring compared to everything Max has been talking about wow. <laughs> yeah. like it, it doesn't sound like, exactly, like when we first mentioned oh yeah I love cheese and ham I love oh yeah yeah a turkey club yeah that's it they're yeah. dull they all sound but really but that's why, that's why my so work boring. here is yet to be done Th- this man <laughs> this man I think I'm right in saying will not put cheese on a cold sandwich. So just explain the antipathy. Oh, the truth is, it's just because I don't like cheese. I don't really eat cheese. I'm melted, I absolutely love cheese. But I, I, a piece of cheddar fills me with dread. And so, but at first, when I first opened the sandwich shop, I didn't, I didn't put cheese. I would, I was very willing to put cheese in the sa- in a sandwich because I know that loads of people love cheese. And so, who am I to say that there shouldn't be cheese? But the reason why I didn't and still haven't, is because I I felt that it was like the bog standard default veggie option. That like in a sandwich shop, that it was like the natural thing to in making a sandwich without meat was to make that a cheese sandwich. And so that's why I was like, over my dead body will I ever do a cheese sandwich, or particularly a veggie, one of the veggie sandwiches being being made with cheese because I just thought it's just too easy and that's like you and I haven't thought about that enough and now we've ended up like one of our one of the staples of the sandwich shop menu one of many people's favorites um is our spring roll sandwich which is um what our our, our go-to veggie sarnie so it started that started off 
from me being lazy. So I was I was at work and I was thinking like, oh, we needed a new vegetarian sandwich. We'd had this one called the bargy smuggler with a bargy, a kind of sort of carrot and onion bargy in the in the sandwich, a bit like a patty almost. Um, and I wanted a new veggie sarnie. And the truth is I was just being lazy. I said to the guys at the sandwich shop, look, I'm going to go into town, go to Chinatown and buy some boxes of frozen spring rolls and I'm going to bring them back. And I thought I was an absolute genius. Like, I would just chuck them in the fryer, stick them in a sardine, everything would be easy. Uh, and then when I got back and th- threw them in the fryer, they 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 were rubbish. They were boring. Um, they were, too, A, they were too big um, or too small. Nothing was quite right. And so I pickled all of the stuff that you would get in a spring roll. I, um, I pickled bean sprouts, uh, grated carrot, red chilli and cucumber slices. And I thought that I would then garnish the sandwich with those pickles. And then it dawned on me that, like, what was I doing? <laughs> I was actually pickling the stuff that you would get in a spring roll to cover up for the fact that I was using these rubbish spring rolls. And so I went back out and bought spring roll wrappers. And now we, uh, we when someone orders uh, spring roll sarni, we take pickles out of the pickling liquor, we roll them in spring roll wrappers and we deep fry them. So we have uh, like pickled veg spring rolls, uh, kimchi mixed with sauerkraut, um, parsley and mint in copious quantities, uh, sesame seeds, and this amazing mayonnaise. Where um, you know those um fermented black soybeans, like when you get beef and black bean sauce. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Those. So, th- have you ever eaten one of those? Just like as in like an actual one of the actual beans. Yeah, right? yeah. It's really they're extraordinary. Powerful. Yeah, yeah. They taste like dark chocolate and yeah. like um they're amazing and, and meaty, so yeah. meaty. And so we um now what we do for the mayo for the spring roll sandwich is we we blend um we we boil in a pan those black beans with honey and powdered ginger and loads of vinegar and then we blitz it up into a a goo and mix that into mayonnaise and when you when you taste it it you think it was the gravy mayonnaise it is so meaty it's time for where do you stand on Where do you stand on? Right then. Well, just to bring you back down to earth slightly, uh, we're going to do a quick where do you stand on. So some key points about sandwiches and, you know, (laughs) etiquettes and their uh, components. So we'll start with Tom. Is butter essential? No, not essential. No, gravy mayonnaise is going to be my new go-to. <laughs> <laughs> I would say mayonnaise is much more essential as a, a, a lubricant, as a moisture provider than butter is. Okay, diagonal or square cut? Any which way but loose, baby. Do whatever you want. It's your sandwich. I completely agree. It doesn't matter, does it? As long as the flavour's <laughs> there. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> right, small technical point from the non-professional in this conversation. But I think yeah. where you can eat in from a point at the end is actually quite useful often. You don't mm. want to have to necessarily shove your whole face into something that's dripping. Mm. Okay. But I'll leave that with you. And if I see if you're doing that, I'll know wherever my royalty <laughs> should arise yeah. from. Uh, crisps in a sandwich, Max. 
Yeah. Well, I would say crunch in a sandwich uh, and crisps being an excellent provider of crunch. And I do not, under any circumstance, accept that lettuce is technically crunchy. What lettuce gives a sandwich is freshness, not crunch. Something something deep fried, preferably a crisp. We are being schooled here. Crisps in a sandwich. 100%, yeah. I love, the, I love a crisp in a sandwich. Probably, though, one that... Uh, well, big flavour, like a, a ready salted one, but really... really Really powerful salty one or a salt mm. and vinegar one so you get the acidity mm. as well where do we stand yeah, exactly. on extruded corn snacks which i'm not allowed to name the brands of on a sandwich so i would swear of a corn snack because they become quite absorbent they would exactly they, they go pulpy very yeah. quickly yeah yeah look at me talking like i'm a sandwich expert you actually use um uh, pork, pork scratchings on one of your sandwiches, is yeah, that right? Yeah, yeah, loads. Yeah, kind of chicharron type. Um, that puffed, puffed, puffed pigskin is absolutely fantastic in a sandwich. Uh, in a, but we did a porchetta sandwich. We're overlooking something there then by concentrating on crisps in the sandwich, perhaps. Mm. Yeah, pork what, scratchings. We could be great. using crisps made of meat. <laughs> well, <laughs> when you put it like that, it does sound like a no-brainer, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And are all of your sandwiches hot, actually, Max? Uh, they all have hot. They all have a hot element. Yes. Right. Because, like I said at the beginning, um, that I think that you cold things are more delicious. Look at ice cream and chocolate sauce. Hot chocolate sauce. Cold things are made more delicious by hot things, and hot things more delicious. By so, when cold people things. order your sandwiches, are you takeaway or is it sit down restaurant? Sit sit down. We're at twenty eight. We've got twenty eight seats. So, um, do, is there like a starter section, and then you have your main course sandwich? It, it, and then it, kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of. We have plates of kimchi. Um, we have a deep fried uh, like uh, mac and cheese balls, yeah. and we have unbelievable. I think some of the finest deep fried chicken wings on the planet. It took me two years to figure out how to get what I felt was the perfect deep fried chicken wing, and then once we'd done it, it was it was on the menu and it's never left. Wow. Yeah. So looking to the future. Obviously, Max, you know, the revolutionary area is going to transform British <laughs> sandwiches for the better. But, I mean, do either of you wonder whether we might be at a bit of a generational turning point? You know, are we entering a gluten-free, low-carb era where the sandwich may fade from our affections? Max, I mean, you must have given uh, this some worry the, occasionally. The, the truth is, if you look at the average age of people in my sandwich shop, there is no way that is true. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I mean, I would look at it's, it's not. I think the sandwich per se is kind of like fading, uh, just in terms of popularity. But that's because there's mm. an increase in more um, accessible, quick grab and go street food styley things like yeah. Max was talking about yeah. his chicken wings or whatever. You know, there, mm. there's much more there for you to. It used to just be you just have a sandwich. A sandwich But now nothing. there is much more. And then I think for somebody like Max, who's then taking the sandwich into the next thing, it's not a sandwich. It's a snackable item that's great, that's amazing, <laughs> That, but it's yeah. just next level. So, no, it's definitely not the death of the sandwich, but it, it maybe the death of the really dull, boring, insipid, uninspiring beige corduroy sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and quite frankly, good riddance to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, where, where do you stand on wraps, Max? I mean, would would you ever allow a wrap on the premises? 
or is it strictly uh, bread? Well, I mean, not not in mine because uh, it's a sandwich shop, and clearly, <laughs> uh, cle- clearly, something rolled up is not a sandwich. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, uh, you you do a ban me sandwich, I think, on the menu, or you have done previously. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, no, that's in my um, in my sandwich cookbook. That oh, is, uh, right, we don't have go. that on the. Yeah, we don't we don't do that on the at the Sarni shop because. It's we try to do things that are unique to the sandwich shop rather than just doing like our version of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just wondered though. It, it strikes me there's plenty of scope for absorbing sandwich influences from around the world. Uh, you know, people people in Britain tend to think of it as a British product, but you know, there are all sorts of uh, great things happening out there which you know are less familiar in Britain. I was, are you aware of Korean street toast? So it's kind of a veg and egg omelette toast in a toasted sandwich, and you top it with ketchup and brown sugar, and then you've got kind of oh, kaya toast. So you know, coconut Koreans. jam, big slab of what? butter, and then you dip it in runny egg with a bit of white pepper and soy sauce. Oh, so you good. know, there's there's a lot of stuff to go at around the world, isn't there there's, for you? Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and it's it's easy to forget that you know, fundamentally, the entire world wraps things in gluten. Be it the bao in Taiwan, the kebab in Istanbul. I mean, quite frankly, the calzone is not far off a sandwich, and that it's you know, the, these are all these are all fundamentally sandwiches, right? <laughs> so just to close. Um, you know, I, I imagine Max could probably give me 20 answers on this, so I'll probably go with Tom first. But, you know, <laughs> greatest sandwich you've ever eaten? Uh, greatest sandwich I've ever eaten is, uh, it was one of those touristy things that I had to do, but it was Cat's Deli in New York. Oh, you know, like yes. the, where they filmed where yeah. Harry met Sally. Yeah. And I had uh, pastrami, rye, pickles, all, all, of the, all of the above, the Swiss cheese. It was uh, amazing. Um, it was just beautiful. And like and so big, th- I mean, basically, yeah. basically the amount of meat of they put in. Yeah, exactly. It was ridiculous. It was just like lumps of pastrami with two thin bits of <laughs> yeah. bread on the top. They were almost the bread was almost pointless. It was, it was <laughs> but it was great. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for the bacon butty at St John Bread and Wine. Ooh, uh, going banger, back a few a years, and it's very simple, but it's basically really amazing bread, really amazing mm. bacon, really amazing mm. ketchup. Yeah, loads of you butter, know, loads of butter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just Delicious. and at the time, nobody was bothering with a breakfast sandwich to that level of kind no. of uh, you know finicky finesse, were they? And they've been doing that a long time, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. So go on then, yeah. Max. My favourite. I mean, I've got to say that I had the kind of seminal moment at Katz's Deli, like Tom did, where for me it was literally like because I, I went and travelled around the southern states of the US before opening the sandwich shop because they put a lot of stuff in bread down there, and. Um, it was when I was took a big bite of my Reuben or whatever it is at Katz's Deli. That was, I, for me, it was the moment of, I just thought, do you know, this is so delicious <laughs> that if I, all I have to do, like, what I need to do is never mind the kind of intellectualising of the stuff you can put between two bits of bread. It was just like, it has to be, at the very least, this delicious and that that is like that was my starting point for like the benchmark of all was indeed just the same as Tom was my yeah, my salt beef sandwich at Katz's yeah phenomenal Max I've heard people talk about religious conversions with less passion than that <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the level of intensity you brought to that moment. 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Max. Uh, Thank you very much, Steve. Everybody will go away with this, looking to make their sandwiches ten times better. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Cheers, See you later. See you for Sony's. Yes, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Max. Yourself, Max. Woo! Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. For more brilliant cooking advice, don't miss the quick bonus recipe episode, Let's Cook Together. See you next time. Bye.